Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in today. We would like to start off with a little content warning. We are going to talk about some really heavy topics today, but we think this topic is important enough that it should be covered, even though it might be hard to hear for some of our viewers. We are going to talk about missing and murdered Indigenous women, as well as the sexual violence this population sees. We will be using the terms Indigenous and Native American interchangeably throughout the podcast. The term women throughout this podcast is also used to include members of the LGBTQIA community, those who identify as a woman now or who were born as a biological woman and prefer to continue to be identified as such. There are 700 Indigenous people who were killed in Wyoming alone between the years of 2011 and 2020, and nobody seems to care. The National Research Center on Domestic Violence reports Indigenous women as two and a half times more likely to experience sexual assault crimes within their lifetime as compared to other races. Using the Wind River Reservation, the Cherokee Nation, and Native American cultures to provide insight into the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women. We are going to look at missing and murdered Indigenous women through framing theory and the mainstream media's push to make this issue episodic rather than the thematic issue it is. Our three hosts each have a different reason as to why this topic is important to us. My name is Sadie Bosher, and I would like to work in law enforcement's Crimes Against Children units. I was able to work as an intern at the ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children, unit in Cheyenne over the summer and learned a lot as they have a specific agent assigned to ICAC crimes on the reservation because it's federal jurisdiction. My name is Aurora Gearhart, and I am currently working to get a bachelor's degree in anthropology and archaeology. I have the goal of gaining a master's in osteoarchaeology, a specialty within the archaeological field focused on skeletal remains, so that I can work with Native American tribes helping to locate and excavate the mass graves associated with the boarding schools, as well as assist in bringing the children home. My name is Reese Hindman. I was born and raised on the Wind River Indian Reservation. While I, myself, have, am not of Native American heritage, I have grown up in this community with Native Americans as my neighbors and friends throughout my childhood and school experience. I have seen the issues that take place on the reservation and how sometimes they do not receive the help that they need. It became something that was talked about regularly in my school and at home. I am currently seeking a bachelor's degree in criminal justice so I can later go on to work in policing to help as many people as I can and form connections with the community so that they feel safe and are able to reach out for help when they need it. We want to talk to you about this topic as both women and as people who would like to help marginalized populations. While having one of the highest crime rates, Indigenous women have some of the lowest rates of reports and investigations. And to tackle this topic, we are going to look at this through framing theory. Would you mind clarifying framing theory? Of course. Framing theory is focused on how the media presents missing and murdered Indigenous women. We often see that the media does not extensively cover topics or issues that they see as unimportant to the mass public as a whole, like they have done with missing and murdered Indigenous women. Additionally, we are going to argue that the media casts Indigenous women and their bodies as disposable and consequently they are abused at much higher rates. As a result of this framing, Indigenous populations have been taught to distrust outside agencies and are unable to solve the massive number of crimes happening against their women. Throughout this podcast, we will be analyzing media and the public response through a critical lens. Rhetorical criticism is a method of qualitative research for the investigation of symbols for the purpose of understanding the rhetorical processes. We use a generic criticism approach focusing on patterns within rhetoric 
instead of specific instances to see a bigger picture across history into current times. Throughout history, colonists would kidnap, rape, and murder Native American women. Native American history has been filled with the government oversight and discrimination masked as offering help. You can see this from as far back as the Trail of Tears in 1838 to the massive number of uninformed sterilizations in a study released in 1976 and the current uninvestigated missing and murdered indigenous people. The government has been behind countless discriminatory and dehumanizing actions aimed towards Native American citizens, which resulted in the distrust we see now. If a person loses their bodily autonomy, then they have no agency over their lives. If a person does not have agency over their lives, then why should the government care if they are victimized? That is a great point. When I looked up statistics on violence against indigenous women, I found that roughly 84% of indigenous women have experienced violence within their lifetime. That's insane to me. And this is continuing today. I thought we didn't have statistics on indigenous women. So there was a report in 2022 that among American Indian and Alaskan Native female victims, 96% of them reported the violence occurring from a non-Native perpetrator. This is at least partly because of quote-unquote man camps, which are camps made up entirely of men who are stationed for the purpose of fracking or some other land extraction project near reservations. These man camps dramatically increase both sexual violence and other criminal activities seen on and around reservations. I think this violence, which occurs from people not Native to the reservation, perpetuates the distrust of the government. We see a lot of distrust due to the violence and governmental failings. But what about reporting on the events? What have the news sources been doing at all? Not a lot. Throughout my research, I have noticed a dramatic difference between who and what is reported by the news in the media. 51% of white homicide victims are reported in Wyoming. However, only 30% of indigenous homicide victims are reported in newspapers. While 57% of the articles written on missing and murdered indigenous women were written after the victim was already dead, none of the articles written on white victims were written after they were already dead. What do you mean none? I mean zero. And that's not even the worst part. 23% of the articles written on white people stated that the victim was found alive. While again, none, 0% of the articles written on missing indigenous people stated they were found alive. The media is sending the message that indigenous women are not worth the time to write an article while they are still alive. But, well, what is being done about this? The media is framing indigenous women as disposable, but demonstrations such as the Red Dress Day are fighting to rectify that deadly misconception. What is Red Dress Day? Red Dress Day is celebrated on May 5th and was created by Jamie Black. He hung red dresses on the City Hall in Vancouver, British Columbia, to call attention to the silence of missing and murdered Indigenous women. This power in the silence is also seen in the red handprint painted across demonstrators' mouths in various protests. Hashtags such as No More Stolen Sisters, MMIW Awareness, and Red Dress Day are also used to call attention to this on various social media platforms, such as Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and more. You kind of just talked about it. But is there anything more than just hashtags and like one day a year hanging a red dress to call attention to this? Like, is there something beyond social media? I don't know if you've seen it, but the movie Wind River came out in 2017 and it was meant to raise awareness for missing and murdered indigenous women. Unfortunately, it got a lot of backlash from the indigenous community 
because they thought that the movie just glorified issues on the reservation without doing anything to solve them. I actually haven't seen this movie. Can you tell me more about it? The movie started with an indigenous woman being raped and then running to her death on the Wind River Reservation here in Wyoming. This happened after she went to visit her boyfriend in a man camp. The FBI sent a very new and totally untrained investigator to investigate this death. The investigator had to navigate reservation rules with the help of a tracker from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service who was very familiar with the reservation. The movie ends with justice being served to the perpetrators of the violence against the woman. However, it calls attention to the vastly unreported and unsolved nature of crimes against indigenous women on the reservations. I thought the movie did a decent job showing the issue, but I think it was telling that the movie was not actually shot in Wyoming. Pardon? They made a whole movie about the reservation, called it Wind River, and then didn't even shoot it on the reservation? Yes. I remember being in eighth grade, and it was an entire issue. Granted, it was valid that this movie was not actually made in Wyoming. They just took still pictures of signs and of the area and added it to the movie without ever giving credit to the reservation. To me, that means people know that this is an issue, but they don't really want to look at it. They want a fun movie where the crime is solved at the end of, at the end, and justice is served. But they didn't want to look at who is the biggest threat to reservations and who perpetrates the violent scene. They don't really want to look at the fact that indigenous women being sexualized and viewed as, as disposable to the public is because of the media. But don't get too down just yet. They also just came out with another movie called Killers of the Flower Moon in 2023. I haven't heard about this one. Actually, I have heard of this one. So the main character is played by Lily Gladstone, who is of pagan Blackfeet, Nez Pierce, and European heritage, and grew up on the Blackfeet Nation Reservation. She was at the movie debut with Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, and Osage Chief Standing Bear. Osage Chief Standing Bear talked about how, in the making of this movie, Scorsese collaborated with the indigenous people and helped to restore some broken trust. Scorsese and DiCaprio also mentioned in working with the indigenous people, they rewrote the script and DiCaprio was moved to be the main character's husband instead of the original FBI hero casting. Chief Standing Bear noted that this might have been the first big Hollywood movie where natives were protagonists in their own story. I thought this was a huge step. I read an article which talked about a bunch of different movies and films from The Searchers, Dancers with Wolves, Wind River, The Last of the Mohicans, and Geronimo, an American legend. The author of the article argued that since none of the movies sought Native American input, they were all predictable and boring tales of U.S. officials telling Native Americans what had happened to them. The The author also argued Most of the films had white leads and didn't have a native-centered agency in mind when portraying the characters. Huh. I feel like a lot of the issues go all the way back to President Jackson's Trail of Tears. I mean, look at what it meant and did to the Native American population. The government started with declaring indigenous people to include the Cherokee Nation, a dependent nation from the U.S., and then went on to say they were, quote-unquote, wards of the government. What does wards of the government mean? It essentially means that they are not citizens, uh, like a stray cat that you feed, so it keeps coming back and you call it yours, but then don't actually ever take responsibility for it, like when it gets cold outside. This led President Jackson to feel as if he was justified to pass the Indian Removal Act in 1830. 
This act, remo act removed indigenous tribes and forced them to move to the other side of the Mississippi River, even though most of them had assimilated to colonist cultures and norms. President Jackson removed the indigenous people, saying they were too savage to live in peace without trying to get their lands back. This resulted in the Trail of Tears, which took the lives of 4,000 out of the 18,000 indigenous people who were forced to relocate. Even back then, the President of the United States was saying that the Native American population doesn't have bodily autonomy to decide what and who they want to be. This mentality continued right into the uninformed sterilizations. People have the right to be informed of any medical procedure they take part in. They have the right to know who is going to be doing the operation, what is being done, and what the long-term effects are. Native American women were not given this courtesy. Dr. Connie Uri, a medical expert in medical maltreatment of indigenous populations, estimated that more than 25% of all Native American women in the United States had been sterilized. These sterilizations happened without the woman being informed or having the knowledge of the extent of their procedure. These medical procedures were a massive violation of an individual's rights and ownership over their own bodies. The government framed indigenous women as less than human and then took away their rights to their own bodies and reproductive autonomy. I would really love to say that this mentality has changed, but it has just taken a different form in the lack of reporting and investigations on the missing and murdered indigenous women today. So we have basically come full circle again in the worst way possible. Wonderful. How are we as a culture going to break this cycle of essentially taking away women's rights to bodily autonomy and stop being pretty much a piece of shit? Language. On that note... There has been some progress made to protect the Native American women. Savannah's Act was passed in 2019 and set a guideline for rules and protocols for missing and murdered Indigenous women. This act is hopefully the first of many with the goal to set a protocol for desexualizing and deobjectifying Indigenous women. Okay, and what does that mean? Like, what does it actually do? The Savannah's Act was named after Savannah Lafonte Greitwind who was murdered while she was eight months pregnant in August of 2017. She was a member of the Spirit Lake Nation in North Dakota, and she was only 22 years old. The act is focused on collecting more data on missing and murdered Native Americans. It also outlines the roles and responsibilities of the tribal, federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies in cases of missing and murdered Native Americans on reservations. It also empowers tribal governments with the resources available to respond in a timely and effective manner when the cases occur. Why do these guidelines need to be set up in the first place? It goes back to when the tribes were set up as wards of the government because Native American nations were deemed as sovereign nations under the federal government. The states don't actually have jurisdiction on the reservation and no one was really sure of their role in anything. So because the federal government has direct jurisdiction on the reservation and tribal land, this act is to check the federal government and make sure they are not overstepping their bounds and respond accordingly to help? Exactly. That's why this act is so huge. This act tells the government what they can and cannot do. Now, the government doesn't get to overstep and then say, well, better to ask for forgiveness. They are told what they can and cannot do. And the media attention that this has... It forces the government to actually do their job and to stay in their lane. The media, while it was once harmful, is now holding the government accountable to doing what they said they were going to. We as a community need to continue to push this social media activism to continue to pressure the government into doing what's right. 
Indeed. I think it is important to recognize the past so that we can work towards a better and safer future. But what can I do and others do about this? I know in my school growing up, we had a red day for missing and murdered indigenous women. We also had entire days blocked out for learning about indigenous culture on Indigenous Peoples Day and the start of Native American Heritage Month in November, which is this month. That's awesome and really goes to show that being informed is huge. Throughout all of my research, I felt like most of these issues came up because people were uninformed and making assumptions. If you can recognize how people are marginalized and the potential long-range effects of this marginalization, you can mitigate the dehumanization. On April 26, 2019, there was a march on the University of Wyoming's campus to raise awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women. You not only need to be informed and pay attention to signs of dehumanization and when people lose their bodily autonomy, but also pay attention to when people are trying to do something to correct that. Wear red on Red Dress Day. Respect other cultures and do not make assumptions from their cultures and beliefs. Once a person loses bodily autonomy or it is taken from them, they become completely vulnerable to the whims and wants of whoever holds the power. Growing up on the reservation, it was huge when other cultures did not make assumptions about what happened on the reservation and actually talked to the leaders about what was needed or how they wanted to get something done. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on this podcast. We hope you left more informed than when you got here and are able to recognize the significance of the dehumanization perpetuated against Indigenous women. We all care deeply about this topic and hope you are able to use some of this knowledge you learned throughout your life and to make a change.